Letter thirty nine of Clarissa Harlowe, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, volume two, by Samuel Richardson. Letter thirty nine. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe, Thursday night. This alarming hurry I mentioned under my date of last night, and Betty's saucy dark hints, come out to be owing to what I guessed they were, that is to say, to the private intimation Mr. Lovelace contrived our family should have of his insolent resolution, insolent I must call it, to prevent my being carried to my uncle's. I saw at the time that it was as wrong with respect to answering his own view, as it was insolent. For could he think, as Betty, I suppose from her betters, justly observed, that parents would be insulted out of their right to dispose of their own child, by a violent man, whom they hate, and who could have no pretension to dispute that right with them, unless what he had from her, who had none over herself? And how must this insolence of his, aggravated as my brother is able to aggravate it, exasperate them against me? The rash man has indeed so far gained his point, as to intimidate them from attempting to carry me away but he has put them upon a surer and a more desperate measure, and this has driven me also into one as desperate, the consequence of which, although he could not foresee it, may perhaps too well answer his great end, little as he deserves to have it answered. In short, I have done, as far as I know, the most rash thing that ever I did in my life. But let me give you the motive, and then the action will follow, of course. About six o'clock this evening my aunt, who stays here all night on my account, no doubt, came up and tapped at my door for I was writing, and had locked myself in. I opened it, and she entering, thus delivered herself. I come once more to visit you, my dear, but sorely against my will, because it is to impart to you matters of the utmost concern to you, and to the whole family. What, madam, is now to be done with me, said I, wholly attentive? You will not be hurried away to your uncle's child, let that comfort you. They see your aversion to go. You will not be obliged to go to your uncle Antony's. How you revive me, madam! This is a cordial to my heart! I little thought, my dear, what was to follow this supposed condescension, and then I ran over with blessings for this good news, and she permitted me so to do by her silence, congratulating myself that I thought my father could not resolve to carry things to the last extremity. Hold, niece, said she at last, you must not give yourself too much joy upon the occasion neither. Don't be surprised, my dear. Why look you upon me, child, with so affecting an earnestness? But you must be Mr. Solmes for all that. I was dumb. She then told me that they had undoubted information, that a certain desperate ruffian, I must excuse her that word, she said, had prepared armed men to waylay my brother and uncles, and seize me and carry me off. Surely, she said, I was not consenting to a violence that might be followed by murder on one side or the other, perhaps on both. I was still silent. That therefore my father, still more exasperated than before, had changed his resolution as to my going to my uncles, and was determined next Tuesday to set out thither himself with my mother and that, for it was to no purpose to conceal a resolution so soon to be put into execution, I must not dispute it any longer. On Wednesday I must give my hand, as they would have me. She proceeded that orders were already given for a licence, that the ceremony was to be performed in my own chamber, in presence of all my friends, except of my father and mother, who would not return nor see me till all was over, and till they had a good account of my behaviour. The very intelligence, my dear, the very intelligence this which Lovelace gave me, I was still dumb, only sighing, as if my heart would break. She went on, comforting me, as she thought. She laid before me the merit of obedience, and told me that if it were my desire that my Norton should be present at the ceremony, it would be complied with, 
that the pleasure i should receive from reconciling all my friends to me and in their congratulations upon it must needs overbalance with such a one as me the difference of persons however preferable i might think the one man to the other that love was a fleeting thing little better than a name where mortality and virtue did not distinguish the object of it that a choice made by its dictates was seldom happy at least not durably so nor was it to be wondered at when it naturally exalted the object above its merits and made the lover blind to faults that were visible to everybody else so that when a nearer intimacy stripped it of its imaginary perfections it left frequently both parties surprised that they could be so grossly cheated and that then the indifference became stronger than the love ever was that a woman gave a man great advantages and inspired him with great vanity when she avowed her love for him and preference of him and was generally requited with insolence and contempt whereas the confessedly obliged man it was probable would be all reverence and gratitude and i cannot tell what you my dear said she believe you shall be unhappy if you have mr solmes your parents think the contrary and that you will be undoubtedly so were you to have mr lovelace whose morals are unquestionably bad suppose it were your sad lot to consider what great consolation you will have on one hand if you pursue your parents advice that you did so what mortification on the other that by following your own you have nobody to blame but yourself this you remember my dear was an argument enforced upon me by mrs norton these and other observations which she made were worthy of my aunt hervey's good sense and experience and applied to almost any young creature who stood in opposition to her parents will but one who had offered to make the sacrifices i have offered to make ought to have had their due weight but although it was easy to answer some of them in my own particular case yet having over and over to my mother before my confinement and to my brother and sister and even to my aunt hervey since said what i must now have repeated i was so much mortified and afflicted at the cruel tidings she brought me that however attentive i was to what she said i had neither power nor will to answer one word and had she not stopped of herself she might have gone on an hour longer without interruption from me observing this and that i only sat weeping my handkerchief covering my face and my bosom heaving ready to burst what no answer my dear why so much silent grief you know i have always loved you you know that i have no interest in the affair you would not permit mr solmes to acquaint you with some things which would have set your heart against mr lovelace shall i tell you some of the matters charged against him shall i my dear still i answered only by my tears and sighs well child you shall be told these things afterwards when you will be in a better state of mind to hear them and then you will rejoice in the escape you will have had it will be some excuse then for you to plead for your behaviour to mr solmes that you could not have believed mr lovelace had been so very vile a man my heart fluttered with impatience and anger at being so plainly talked to as the wife of this man but yet i then chose to be silent if i had spoken it would have been with vehemence strange my dear such silence your concern is infinitely more on this side the day than it will be on the other but let me ask you and do not be displeased will you choose to see what generous stipulations for you there are in the settlements you have knowledge beyond your years give the writings a perusal do my dear they are engrossed and ready for signing and have been for some time excuse me my love i mean not to disorder you your father would oblige me to bring them up and to leave them with you he commands you to read them but to read them niece since they are engrossed and were before you made them absolutely hopeless and then to my great terror she drew some parchments from her handkerchief which she had kept unobserved by me under her apron and rising put them in the opposite window had she produced a serpent i could not have been more frightened oh my dearest aunt turning away my face and holding out my hands 
hide from my eyes those horrid parchments let me conjure you to tell me by all the tenderness of near relationship and upon your honour and by your love for me say are they absolutely resolved that come what will i must be that man's my dear you must have mr solmes indeed you must indeed i never will this as i have said over and over is not originally my father's will indeed i never will and that is all i will say it is your father's will now replied my aunt and considering how all the family is threatened by mr lovelace and the resolution he has certainly taken to force you out of their hands i cannot but say they are in the right not to be bullied out of their child well madam then nothing remains for me to say i am made desperate i care not what becomes of me your piety and your prudence my dear and mr lovelace's immoral character together with his daring insults and threatenings which ought to incense you as much as anybody are every one's dependence we are sure the time will come when you'll think very differently of the steps your friends take to disappoint a man who has made himself so justly obnoxious to them all she withdrew leaving me full of grief and indignation and as much out of humour with mr lovelace as with anybody who by his conceited contrivances has made things worse for me than before depriving me of the hopes i had of gaining time to receive your advice and private assistance to get to town and leaving me not other advice in all appearance than either to throw myself upon his family or to be made miserable for ever with mr solmes but i was still resolved to avoid both these evils if possible i sounded betty in the first place whom my aunt sent up not thinking it proper as betty told me that i should be left by myself and who i found knew their designs whether it were not probable that they would forbear at my earnest entreaty to push matters to the threatened extremity but she confirmed all my aunt said rejoicing as she said they all did that mr lovelace had given them so good a pretence to save me from him now and for ever she ran on about equipages bespoken talked of my brothers and sisters exultations that now the whole family would soon be reconciled to each other of the servants joy upon it of the expected license of a visit to be paid me by dr lewen or another clergyman whom they named not to her which was to crown the work and of other preparations so particular as made me dread that they designed to surprise me into a still nearer day than wednesday these things made me excessively uneasy i knew not what to resolve upon at one time what have i to do thought i but to throw myself at once into the protection of lady betty lawrence but then in resentment of his fine contrivances which had so abominably disconcerted me i soon resolved to the contrary and at last concluded to ask the favour of another half-hour's conversation with my aunt i sent betty to her with my request she came i put it to her in the most earnest manner to tell me whether i might not obtain the favour of a fortnight's respite she assured me it would not be granted would a week surely a week would she believed a week might if i would promise two things the first upon my honour not to write a line out of the house in that week for it was still suspected she said that i found means to write to somebody and secondly to marry mr solmes at the expiration of it impossible i said with a passion what might not i be obliged with one week without such a horrid condition as the last she would go down she said that she might not seem of her own head to put upon me what i thought a hardship so great she went down and came up again did i want was the answer to give the vilest of men an opportunity to put his murderous schemes into execution it was time for them to put an end to my obstinacy they were tired out with me and to his hopes at once and an end should be put on tuesday or wednesday next at furthest unless i would give my honour to comply with the condition upon which my aunt had been so good as to allow me a longer time i even stamped with impatience 
i called upon her to witness that i was guiltless of the consequence of this compulsion this barbarous compulsion i called it let that consequence be what it would my aunt chid me in a higher strain than ever she did before while i in a half frenzy insisted upon seeing my father such usage i said set me above fear i would rejoice to owe my death to him as i did my life i did go down half-way of the stairs resolved to throw myself at his feet wherever he was my aunt was frighted she owned that she feared for my head indeed i was in a perfect frenzy for a few minutes but hearing my brother's voice as talking to somebody in my sister's apartment just by i stopped and heard the barbarous designer say speaking to my sister this works charmingly my dear arabella it does it does said she in an exulting accent let us keep it up said my brother the villain is caught in his own trap now must she be what we would have her be do you keep my father to it i'll take care of my mother said bella never fear said he and a laugh of congratulation to each other and derision of me as i made it out quite turned my frantic humour into a vindictive one my aunt then just coming down to me and taking my hand led me up and tried to soothe me my raving was turned into sullenness she preached patience and obedience to me i was silent at last she desired me to assure her that i would offer no violence to myself god i said had given me more grace i hoped than to permit me to be guilty of so horrid a rashness i was his creature and not my own she then took leave of me and i insisted upon her taking down with her the odious parchments seeing me in so ill an humour and very earnest that she should take them with her she took them but said that my father should not know that she did and hoped i would better consider of the matter and be calmer next time they were offered to my perusal i revolved after she was gone all that my brother and sister had said i dwelt upon their triumphings over me and found rise in my mind a rancour that was new to me and which i could not withstand and putting everything together dreading the near day what could i do am i in any manner excusable for what i did do if i shall be condemned by the world who know not my provocations may i be acquitted by you if not i am unhappy indeed for this i did having shaken off the impertinent betty i wrote to mr lovelace to let him know that all that was threatened at my uncle antony's was intended to be executed here that i had come to a resolution to throw myself upon the protection of either of his two aunts who would afford it me in short that by endeavouring to obtain leave on monday to dine in the ivy summer-house i would if possible meet him without the garden door at two three four or five o'clock on monday afternoon as i should be able that in the meantime he should acquaint me whether i might hope for either of those ladies protection and if i might i absolutely insisted that he should leave me with either and go to london himself or remain at lord m s nor offer to visit me till i was satisfied that nothing could be done with my friends in an amicable way and that i could not obtain possession of my own estate and leave to live upon it and particularly that he should not hint marriage to me till i consented to hear him upon that subject i added that if he could prevail upon one of the misses montague to favour me with her company on the road it would make me abundantly more easy in the thoughts of carrying into effect a resolution which i had not come to although so driven but with the utmost reluctance and concern and which would throw such a slur upon my reputation in the eye of the world as perhaps i should never be able to wipe off this was the purport of what i wrote and down into the garden i slid with it in the dark which at another time i should not have had the courage to do and deposited it and came up again unknown to anybody my mind so dreadfully misgave me when i returned that to divert in some measure my increasing uneasiness i had recourse to my private pen and in a very short time ran this length and now that i am come to this part my uneasy reflections begin again to pour in upon me yet what can i do i believe i shall take it back again the first thing in the morning yet what can i do 
and who knows but they may have a still earlier day in their intention than that which will too soon come i hope to deposit this early in the morning for you as i shall return from resuming my letter if i do resume it as my inwardest mind bids me although it is now near two o'clock i have a good mind to slide down once more in order to take back my letter our doors are always locked and barred up at eleven but the seats of the lesser hall windows being almost even with the ground without and the shutters not difficult to open i could easily get out yet why should i be thus uneasy since should the letter go i can but hear what mr lovelace says to it his aunts live at too great a distance for him to have an immediate answer from them so i can scruple going to them till i have invitation i can insist upon one of his cousins meeting me in the chariot and may he not be able to obtain that favour from either of them twenty things may happen to afford me a suspension at least why should i be so very uneasy when likewise i can take back my letter early before it is probable he will have the thought of finding it there yet he owns he spends three parts of his days and has done for this fortnight past in loitering about sometimes in one disguise sometimes in another besides the attendance given by his trusty servant when he himself is not in waiting as he calls it but these strange forebodings yet i can if you advise cause the chariot he shall bring with him to carry me directly to town whither in my london scheme if you were to approve it i had proposed to go and this will save you the trouble of procuring for me a vehicle as well as prevent any suspicion from your mother of your contributing to my escape but solicitous of your advice and approbation too if i can have it i will put an end to this letter adieu my dearest friend adieu end of letter thirty nine